Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Whether as a child, uh, as a parent, uh, and now as a grandparent, I've come to understand how we respond uh, when we get caught out doing the wrong thing. Uh, It seems to be uh, a natural response that we look for someone to blame. Uh, There's a reason that we've made that bad choice or we've done that wrong thing. Certainly uh, within our uh, community, I suppose the idea that the devil made me do it uh, is a good sort of secular insight that people feel in some humorous way. You have a picture of uh, the horns and the fork uh, and the devil made me do it. It's a good way just to sort of pass off that responsibility. Uh, But today we want to take perhaps a a, a better interest or a, a greater understanding of the importance of overcoming temptation. As I said before, this is really key because otherwise we get robbed of the joy and the peace and the hope and the life that Jesus died to give us. So this isn't a matter of, oh, I don't want to be in trouble with God or I don't want to get caught or punished. Uh, That's sort of quite a negative view. But we need to look at this in a positive way because um, we are missing out uh, unless we have a way or unless we're aware Uh, that there is a spiritual battle going on. And uh, one of the best words, uh, one of the best things that we need to keep in all our Christian thinking is the word balance. Uh, If we go to any extremes, we're always in trouble. Now, extremes are exciting, and and many guys in churches like to go to extremes because it keeps you on the edge of your seat and there's a bit of something about it that just keeps you interested. But boring old Paul wants to tell you that uh, the truth's always found in the middle, (laughs) And balance is really the key, and it's just about always found in those things. So when it comes to spiritual battles, we, there's a balance. We need to be aware that Satan is real. Uh, I'm not sure if he has the black cape like that or the horns or whatever, but there is, we are involved in a spiritual battle. It's not just flesh and blood. In the Western world, we're not as open to it as perhaps other, other countries are. Uh, and to their credit, they're more aware because it is very real. But we also don't want to go down to the path where we just blame Satan for everything or that we live in fear. And whenever we go to that extreme, we're not living the life that Jesus died to give us. So what I want to do today is have a balance, have an understanding of why we're tempted, how we're tempted, and that we might look at a few things from this story today to help us to win, uh, to win that battle that's taking place. And so Luke chapter 4 has a whole lot of themes to it, Uh, but we're just going to keep it pretty simple today and just look at this thing, idea of uh, temptation and and why it is important for us to overcome and and some of the things that we need to keep in mind to do that. If we were to break down any 24-hour day, you and I would agree that we make hundreds of choices, hundreds of decisions. Some we don't think about all that much, others are more significant. But we are constantly making choices, continually, forever. Hundreds, if not, I don't know, maybe thousands a day, I don't know. But we need to understand that if we choose to say yes to God, in other words, be obedient to Him and humble to Him, 
we will indeed live the best life that we can. It's, this is part of the deceit. Uh, we're sort of conned into thinking that if we do our own thing and follow our own tendencies and follow our own desires, that we'll be happier and life will be good. Uh, but that's really a, a big lie. And so this morning, we're trying to get this understanding that God is for us. He's not against us. God wants to bless you. He's on your side. Yes, we make mistakes and we stuff up and we fall short, but God doesn't hold that against us. God's desire is to bless us. And one of the ways that we can enjoy that blessing is to understand and overcome temptation. Where we make God choices, godly choices, where we choose to be obedient to God. And by doing that, we enjoy His blessing. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about this story is that uh, Jesus is in the very middle of God's will. Uh, we read there that He was led out by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Spirit was leading and confirming. So here is Jesus being totally obedient to the Father. He's in the very centre of God's will. And so just to be aware, whenever you have that desire... Whenever you want to honour God, whenever maybe this new year you say, this is the year, I don't know. But if it is in your heart that you want to live a life that's pleasing to God and honouring to Him, understand that you'll come under attack. Uh, if we're just doing our own thing, Satan doesn't need us. <laughs> he doesn't need to be involved. We're just messing our lives up all on our own. So if we're doing our own thing, he just pretty much lets us go. But if we have this desire where I actually... Choose, I, I want to be, live a life that's honouring to God. We need to understand that spiritual attack and temptation uh, will be real and it will be vigorous. And so Jesus is in the very centre of his Father's will, uh, but there is temptation there also. And uh, as we just read again, verses 1 to 3, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the desert. He was there for 40 days where he was tempted. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Now, over the years, and not for a long time, but I used to do a 40-hour challenge through World Vision, where you didn't eat anything for 40 hours. Uh, that was the limit for me. <laughs> the idea of 40 days is inconceivable for probably all of us. Again, we need to remember that Jesus is fully human. What is experiencing the hunger and the pain, uh, all of those things is very real. We just don't want to say, oh, it didn't worry Jesus, he's God's son. This is humanity being exposed and he's under great pressure. A and so we see here that uh, we will always come under attack in areas of need, of challenge or of weakness. Now, if Jesus was sitting down having a three-course meal and Satan came and tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, why don't you turn this stone into bread? That temptation would have no power at all. But when you haven't eaten for 40 days, it makes all the difference. So we need to be aware that temptation will always be targeted at our vulnerability or where we have an area of weakness or there's a worry or a challenge or something like that or a perceived need. That's where God, uh, that's where we need God's help to overcome that temptation. It's important that you and I have a strategy. <laughs> if we are ignorant, if we just think, oh, I'll just go through my day, I'll do what God wants me to do and that will be fine, I have nothing to worry about, 
uh, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. We're going to find a lot of disappointment because the spiritual battle is real and we need to have a strategy. We need to be prepared in advance. We, we need to have some way of thinking or some process by which we go through the day, make those choices where we listen to God and where we're focused. So this isn't a game. This is really important that we understand why. Not that we get punished so much, but if we fall to temptation, we're going to miss out on the life that God wants for us, the life that Jesus died to give us. The peace and the joy and the contentment, all that life has in Christ is something that we're going to miss out on if we fall short and we listen and we fall to temptation. It's really important to see here how all the way through, Jesus' heart and mind is focused on God. And so that's why we can't sort of have this part-time arrangement with God, where we go through the day living our own life, but when we're in trouble, we sort of call out for Him. That's too late. We need to have this personal, intimate relationship where God's thinking by His Spirit dominates our mind. We're constantly in connection with God. We're letting His Spirit, who is within us, live through us. And so we're virtually going through the day together with God. If we sort of put God in compartments, if God only comes out when we need Him, oh, that's right, God's there, we're going to fail miserably. So the calling on our life is that we journey with God every minute of every day. Every second of every day, we're conscious of God's presence by His Spirit. And if we don't have that, we need to. We need to wake up every day, every conversation we have, every action we have, every choice we have, it needs to be like we're making this together almost. There's that sense that we're not alone in this. Because if God gets to the place where He's distant or we put Him in the background, we are basically just living our lives in our own strength. We might call out for help when we're in need, but we're not living in the power that's available to us by God's Spirit. And so we need to understand this morning that this is not a game. We need to have a strategy in place and our mind needs to be constantly fixed on God and the life that He has for us because He's for us. We have nothing to fear or be disappointed about. God is for us. And so we can understand that this is a key thing for us to get under control. The Bible says if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, obviously, that's symbolic. <laughs> obviously, that's just a picture. But what it's sort of demonstrating is the best way to overcome temptation is to run from it, to get away from it. So remembering that Satan is very cunning uh, and very smart, he will often have temptation where we are vulnerable. And if we keep placing ourselves in areas where we're vulnerable, we, we will fail. And so one of the means or the strategies that we have with temptation is that we run away, we run from it. Now that can be in a physical sense where we remove ourselves from a certain environment or what we're watching or what we're reading or where we spend our time. But predominantly running from it is uh, something we do with our minds where we don't focus on it, we don't keep thinking about it, we don't keep unpacking it, we don't keep dwelling on something. If, if we have some uh, unforgiveness towards someone or some hatred uh, or, or we, we have some addictions. Now, when it comes to addictions, I understand there's other methods and processes that you have to have in place maybe to get through that. I don't want to simplify it. 
But one of the things we do need to do is to run from it in our minds. In other words, we intentionally don't go there and dwell and think about those things or be in that environment. So Jesus couldn't physically run away in the desert, but he could continue to bring his mind back to what God says and what God's thinking. And so one of the ways that we overcome temptation is to not to dwell in it. If you're angry with someone, just don't keep digging it up. Don't keep digging it up and thinking about it and dwelling on it. Uh, I can remember, and this has happened often, but certainly the first few cars that I bought weren't always sensible choices. But I am the king of justifying anything. (laughs) And I can work out a means and a process why this is a good car, Dad. This is really a good thing. I'm being very wise. I wasn't, but I could justify it in my thinking. Why? Because I kept dreaming about it and thinking about it and dwelling on it. I am sure as I reflect on my life, there have been many times when God has said to me, Paul, don't go down this street. This is not good. This is not healthy. That's not the best. And I've known that. And yet I've continually gone down that street. I've continually thought about it. And sometimes you just keep doing it until it happens. And then you realize, I wish I wouldn't have. And so one of the things that we need to do every day is have this constant awareness of the Spirit of God inside your head, whatever. To me, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but my days feels like God's just sitting on my shoulder. Every conversation I have, every action, everything I do, it's like God's right there uh, and He's guiding and directing me. And so I can be attuned to His voice and attuned to obeying Him or I can sort of turn my head and do my own thing. What we need to do when temptation comes, don't dwell on it. Don't keep it focused in your mind. Get rid of it. (laughs) Change your thinking. Run from it because that's the way to overcome. One of the things we need to realize is that uh, Satan will always uh, challenge us through pride. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Uh, Satan works on pride. And we see here twice in this passage that he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God. Well, he knows that he is and Jesus knows that he is. And what he's implying is if you are the son of God, you can have whatever you like. Now, he steps it down a little bit for us. He doesn't suggest that we're the son of God. but he does suggest that we deserve things. And one of the things that we deserve is to have what we want. We want things to go our way. We we want to enjoy the pleasures or the things of life. And so pride is one of these ways that Satan attacks us. He's very cunning and says, you really deserve this. This is something that you should have. This is something that you should enjoy. And, And he's dealing with Jesus in the same way. Look, if you're the son of God, you deserve these things. Why don't you just take hold of them? Notice the lie in the passage. He hasn't got the authority to deal this out, but he says that he has. And so he's always in this cunning sense where he's lying and scheming and and desiring to, to rob us, you and me, of those things. Once we believe that we deserve something, we're in trouble. Once we start to believe that we deserve something, we're in trouble. Because it is humility, it is obedience, it's coming under God that enables us to overcome temptation. 
once we start playing it in our mind that I deserve this or I'm right, I'm right to be angry with you, I'm right not to forgive you, I'm right to do this, I'm right to take on my tax return, I have this right, whatever it is. As soon as we start thinking that we've lost, game over. Again, it's listening to God's voice, it's running from our areas of vulnerability and it's trusting God. I think this is what faith is. Faith is believing that God's way is the best way. And sometimes when we start dwelling on it as humans, sometimes when we're tempted, sometimes when we keep looking at glossy magazines of the new car or whatever it might be, we can almost justify anything and we start, I must have it. (laughs) But living by faith is stopping and not going down that street. It's not opening it up. It's not concentrating and thinking about it constantly. It's when you have that sense by God's Spirit, this is not a door to open, don't open it, stop. Because you, if we proceed to keep going, we will fail, we will fall short. And that's why we have to be so sensitive to God's Spirit, so sensitive. Saints very cunning, we see now he's quoting Scripture. The devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. Then he quotes Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to a test. One of the reasons that we fail is that we justify ourselves by manipulating scripture to say what we want it to say. Uh, And Satan's quoting it here for his advantage. But one of the reasons that we often fail to, is we don't have a, a, a godly understanding of what the Bible teaches. We're cunning enough to sort of twist it and make it say what we want it to say. And, and so to overcome t- temptation, one of the key things is that we have an open and honest heart before God when we read His Word. That we allow God's Spirit to speak to us and challenge us in His Word. Uh, And we just don't read it out of habit, but we're actually engaging God through His Word so that He can guide and lead us, and and so that we're actually sensitive to temptation. If if you're just reading the Bible because that's what Christians do, and you want to keep God off your back, and you want to keep Him happy, (laughs) uh, that'll never work. Stop it. You'd be better off not reading it, to be honest. But if you read God's Word because you understand that He is for you, and this is the bestest life, and if you're obedient to Him, this is where your joy and your peace and your hope and your blessing comes from, then you read God's Word to get an insight on how we are to live. And so we need to have the sense of God's Spirit. Is God's Spirit something that's prominent in your thinking? Have we pushed Him aside? Is He at the back? Do we just bring Him out when we need Him? Do we justify running our own life? Because God's Spirit needs to be prominent in your thinking. Every conversation you have, every action you have, every response needs to be one that's filtered by God's Spirit. This is how we overcome temptation, where we have a strategy that we realise and understand. God's Spirit is something that we have to take hold of and be focused in on and listen to and obey. So, in summary, just a few things. Temptation is prominent when we particularly want to be close to God. When we have this desire to walk with Him and trust Him, uh, spiritual attack will be real and temptation will be prominent. It's not a game. 
Satan just wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to rob you of the promises. He wants to rob you of your hope. And so if you want to be a part of God's purposes and you're keen to sit at his feet, understand that temptation will be, uh, will be real and prominent. Understand too that God, sorry, that Satan will always attack us in our area of weakness, where we have vulnerability. So if you have broken relationships or unforgiveness, that's where Satan will target. If you have addictions, uh, if you have things that are area of weakness, that's where he will attack. There's no rules here for Satan. He, he doesn't play fair. He, he actually is incredibly ruthless. He will look for areas of weakness. So what we watch, what we read, who we listen to, how we use our money, how we use our time, how we treat people, whether we forgive. All these things are critically important because if they are things that we just let pass by and we sort of be, have a dull conscience towards them, then we're vulnerable to attack. Often the key issue is pride. Someone, probably ourselves will agree with it, we deserve this. We really do. We deserve these things. And if the world is the one who's offering them, we need to be really careful because most times uh, it's not the blessing that we expect. And how do we overcome temptation? God has to have dominance in our mind, in our thinking. God has to have dominance, uh, in, have precedent over all things. We just can't be in this position where it's a little bit of God and a little bit of us. God has to have dominance. This passage is often compared to or, or linked or parallels uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. And the way that uh, Satan tempted them and the way that tempted Jesus has some real parallels. And, and verse 13 is key because it's far more than just about uh, turning a stone into bread. This has deep significance. Verse 13, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. In other words, Satan hadn't finished with Jesus yet. Didn't get him this time, but he knew there was something of time coming when Jesus would face the, the possibility of death on a cross. And Satan was hedging his bets or was planning that uh, that will be another time uh, that I, I can tempt Jesus. Do you know for all the pain and all the suffering and all the remorse that you and I share because of the first Adam? Because Adam, who represents us, messed up and messed up our world and broke it. <laughs> And you and I endure all the pain because of the first Adam. We need to be thankful today that the second Adam didn't fall, didn't fall short, wasn't tempted, but he went to the cross in obedience to his father. This whole passage has deep significance because it gives us an insight into the freedom that we have here. First Adam, Eve, messed up, we're in trouble. Second Adam, faithful and obedient, didn't succumb to temptation. So what does that mean for you and me? This is the key, and this is the key to overcoming temptation. Because Jesus said no to Satan, not just in the wilderness, but on the cross, you and I can now say no to him as well. We have the capacity, we have the power, we have the ability to say yes to God and no to self. Yes to God and no to Satan. 
the battle's been done, the victory's been won. (laughs) We need to take this seriously, but because God's Spirit is within us, we have the power to say yes to God every time. We have that capacity. What stops us from saying yes to God all the time? It's often because we don't have a prominence of God's Spirit and His Word and His words to us. We push God aside, we put Him in the corner, we get Him out, we rub His belly when we need Him, but He doesn't have prominence and dominance in our thinking. And from my experience and as I've reflected on my own life and as I've looked at humanity, the moment that God doesn't have dominance in our thinking and in our mindset is the moment that you and I fail and fall and succumb to temptation. And what's the problem with that? The problem is this, we're missing out on the best. We're missing out on the joy. We're missing out on the hope, the contentment and the peace. The life that Jesus died to give us is not ours when we fall to temptation. I trust this morning that you would give thanks to the second Adam, that you would give thanks to Jesus. Not just in the wilderness, not just turning a stone into bread, but later on when he had the face of the challenge of the cross, that he stayed faithful, he stayed true, he stayed obedient. Why? Because Jesus stayed obedient, you and I can now say yes to God every time. I'm not talking about a sinless perfection. I don't know if that's happened yet. (laughs) If you think you're to that point of holiness, I'll give you a kick in the shins and see what you do. (laughs) I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but why would we settle for less? You and I have the the potential and the capacity and the power to say yes to God every time and no to Satan. We have that capacity. Let's listen to his voice. Let him have dominance in our thinking. Let him be central to all that we do and say and act. Why? So that we might enjoy the blessed life that Jesus died to give us. This is freedom. This is living. And this is winning. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that we would have godly balance in this. We can't blame Satan for everything. We can't put everything under the heading that he's responsible. We certainly shouldn't fear him. But God, we can't be ignorant either. This is a spiritual battle. We are spiritual people. It is a spiritual kingdom. But we must remember that you are for us, not against us. This is not about being caught out and punished. This is about missing out on the bestest life. God, by faith today, would we, would we restore your dominance in our thinking, in our plans, in our priorities? Would we restore you to that place where you're a part of everything that we do and say and think? God, help us to be prepared. Satan is sharp. He's cunning. He's smart. He's devious. He sneaks up. He uses things that we don't always see straight away. He puts thoughts in our minds and words in our head. He can arrange for discussions and conflicts just to happen at the worst possible time. But we don't have to live like that. Because of the second Adam, we win. 
we can say yes to God. Would you make your response this morning?